This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Rippling in the top, man. Looks painted on. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm just turning my levels down a bit because it might be too loud because I've just done a a voiceover with Source Connect. Um, we'll see how check, that turns. Check, 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 check. Yeah, Roll I'm these sure that'll days. be fine. I'll try my best, man. I try my best. Should we just get into it? I reckon so. Yeah. yeah. Do we need to? Do you don't want to do a separate intro, do you? I think we should just roll it out. Yeah, I think so. How are you keeping? Where in the world are you? Griff, I am in the dizzy heights of East Grinstead. Um, uh, you're going to have to <laughs> geographically locate East Grinstead for it's... me and ninety percent of the audience, I reckon. <laughs> well, me too, yeah. It's near uh, Gatwick Airport. I'm on my last two nights of full-on night shoots, so starting at like four o'clock in the afternoon, finishing at four o'clock at night. Um, There's not much night to act in these days, mate. You've only got about four hours before it gets light again. Yeah, exactly. We had to stand down yesterday because there was a, a storm and there was rigs and wires and lighting everywhere and it was it was not conducive with Mad. the lightning. So we all got stood down at uh, about 11. So we've got... Hence these, the early pickup. Hence the early pickup, which is why I'm now in my gym gear and after we've done this, I'm going to hot foot it to the gym. Before work. We had a mad storm, man. You know, we went camping at the weekend with Sean. Where did you go? To Wasdale, which is on the banks of Waswater. Yeah. Which is one of the, the deepest lake in the country, actually. I had the big rig out, the big tent, the big top, which has got a large surface area for the size of it. It was calm and sunny in the daytime. We had a barbecue and then night fell and a storm struck and it seemed like a malignant spirit was after us. So it was super still and calm, and then there was like, you'd hear a, a gust starting in the distance. Sometimes it'd sound like it missed you by, I don't know, 50 metres or something, and then the other times it'd hit you like a fireball in a computer game or something like wow. that. Wow. The guy ropes were out, he had to go out and take the porch down and stuff, but it was it was eerie. It was eerily still, followed by like single gusts of gale force wind. Nuts, never had anything like it. Did you get some sleep or not? Uh yeah, interrupted, but you know, wow. I've got a very low score on my Fitbit. <laughs> 54 poor. <laughs> so this is the first time that we've seen each other for a while since we, well, since I was in Dublin doing some recordings and then since we finished season nine. Yeah. What was the last one we did in the flesh, me and you together? Took some pics out. Was it a chefy one? Was it Chef Allard? God, that seemed a long time ago. It was ages, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it might, think it might be that, though. Uh, the chefs didn't. At least we got to eat good on those ones. Yeah, we did. We've got to get more chefs. Now, speaking of <laughs> guests for season 10, uh, the listeners are probably thinking, oh, you're not, you're not pushing out the episodes. What are you doing? Well, as you've seen, we've got a whole new uh, load of apparel. We'll call it apparel, not call it merch. Let's call it apparel. That sounds nice. Everybody does merch. We do apparel. <laughs> um, and it's all looking... Really lovely 
and nice, and I know that everybody's very excited to get their hands up. We can't wait to see some photos. When are we going to do We need to do a modelling session, don't we, Griff? We need to get the goddamn merch in first yeah. before we do a modelling session. Like the, sent- the, the apparel. We need the, to get apparel the apparel, sorry. Yeah. I said initially we should call it apparel because yeah. it sounds cooler. And then I reverted to calling it merch while you followed the party line and called it apparel. Yep. I feel like the clothes is apparel and I feel like a mug is merch. So. Well, let's, let's model the apparel and drink out of the merch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I sent Patreon an email and they're sending us the proofs through within six weeks. And that was about three weeks ago. So hopefully okay. we'll have them soon and um, so we can when show them off in all the glory. We've got that. We'll do some modelling. You're, uh, you're equipped... Uh, modeling so pro no, pro no, these days no doubt it'll be uh it'll be me taking the photos and you slapping on the apparel um and speaking of guests for season 10 now i'm working very hard but already i've booked i can't i'm not going to say who it is i can't say names but i will say uh i, I would say a broadcasting national treasure mm uh my favorite personally one of my favorite food critics and journalists mm. i'm working very hard to secure he's, he said to me in the flesh that he'll do it and this was kind of without me even asking the lead singer of a band that i would say everybody mm-hmm. loves yeah that's interesting <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm feigning interest. I know precisely who all these people are. And they are <laughs> indeed as exciting as Craig's building them up to be. Um, and of course, some names you'll know, names you don't within the world of acting. And that's going to last us for season 10, which is another bumper 20 episodes, which I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into. So I just thought it'd be nice for us all not just me and Griff, us all, to say hello, touch base, let you know what things we're planning. We are, me and Griff have had a little chat, and we thought what we'd do possibly in the middle of Season 10, or certainly at the end of Season 10, whilst we're not dishing out episodes, is to do something via Patreon that would be like a Patreon slash sort of Zoom hangout where we all come online, we just say hello, and we have sort of, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of saying hello and have some questions. Uh, instead of doing a sort of Q&A like this, we'll move things forward if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, we can get something sorted, and that'll be for for Patreon members. I, I, I think possibly of, of any level, but that's something that myself and Griff will discuss. Yeah, defo, defo. We can make that happen for sure. Um Get yourselves over there. Have a look what's on offer. There's merchandise. There's extra bonus clips and audio going all the way back to the first few episodes. Stuff that I've not looked at for years, actually. It's all on there. And I think it's available to people on a, a much lower tier now. We've democratised that. So Yeah, I think it's available for anybody that are donating even $1 or $2 a month, you know. And then if you feel that some some months you want to, oh, maybe I, I need a mug in my life, of course you need a two-shot mug <laughs> in your life, then, you know, bump it up for a bit. And then, you know, you can back down, depending on your budget. And if you can't, um, you know, support us on Patreon for a few months, that's totally fine because somebody else is. And the podcasts are always going to be free, as they have been for, you know, the last five years. Uh, we just thought it was time to to sort of ramp it up a little bit and give everything a nice shine. The new artwork by Stan Chow, we're really proud of that. It's It's looking beautiful. We've, you know, we gave him a little bit of a brief, which was to retain the original two-shot colours, which we sort of know and love. But we just wanted him to sort of uh, chow it up a little bit, which he did brilliantly. Do you remember those... Do you remember the first badges that came through? We got uh-huh. like a few iterations and they were basically the same badge but different colours. I remember there being like a turquoise and purple version um, that was shortlisted. But red and orange, I don't know, it was always the one that jumped out to me. And mm. As soon as you start making something, like with a the logo, then it becomes how could it have ever been anything else? So yeah, think- exactly. And I feel that those colours are quite integral to the brand of the podcast so even though we've we've changed it up and if you have a look on 
Stan's design, especially the one with the the chair and the cups and the bookshelf behind, and you'll see there's film reels at the side. It, it all kind of incorporates what we do on the podcast and he's interpreted it brilliantly. I'm hoping at some point to get that design on uh, some limited edition tea towels before the end of the year. I know I need some new tea towels in my life, and I'm sure everybody else does. Everybody needs a bloody tea towel. So we're going to get those rolled out as well. That might not be uh, via Patreon. That might be something that we'll do on a limited edition basis for people that want to do a one-off uh, support donation. That could be quite cool. Exciting. Um, Griff, what else? Parish notices. Well, yeah. we, did a, we did a full parish notice podcast the other day, which I think we covered everything on. I um, think we did. That took me quite some time. Yeah. Elegantly scripted by your good self. <laughs> you Craigified it. That's right. Great. I tried my best. Um, we've got tons of questions. If you want to get into them, well, let's uh, let's dive in. Let's see how many we can do in uh, the quite frankly limited time that we've that we've got. All right, let's do it. Let's so, do it. we've got one from Deirdre Byrne via email, and this one's specifically for you about your time in Dublin. It said, did ah, you, did you now, enjoy working there? Right. Oh, go on, go on. What were you going to no, say? No, let me stop you there. It might, I might, I might be wrong here, but it, have a look again. It might be Deirdre. Is that not just how you spell Deirdre? I don't know, but I'm just thinking about the Irish pronunciation now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But we've covered both bases. I've said okay. Deirdre, you've said Deirdre. Ms. Byrne. There we go. Um, my question <laughs> is about your time in Dublin. Did you uh-huh. enjoy working here? And did you get a chance to try out any of the restaurant recommendations that were sent to you on Twitter? Well, did I enjoy my time in Dublin? I certainly did. Did I get to discover Dublin more? So I first worked in Dublin about eight years ago, but it was very bitty. I was flying in and out um for a job but this time it was quite a solid four and a half weeks well i was supposed to fly prior to filming and then obviously tested positive and they have to rejig the schedule and then i went out so i was really excited because it was a fantastic script with uh working alongside shirley henderson who is a brilliant actor i'm sure you'll know and love from all sorts of things but she doesn't do loads of television so it was really exciting for me to work alongside her and also be in dublin but with the intensity of the script and the hours, it was quite hard to discover Dublin. So I would have to get up quite early in the morning, go for a bit of a run and around and sort of, you know, geographically get myself placed and sorted about where I was. Which I was staying near Bagot Street, which is right in the centre of town. Um, and then when I had time off, which was quite rare, I was ended up flying home to go and see my son Um so I didn't discover Dublin or its restaurants as much as I would want to. But it's somewhere that I want to go back to and do a bit of travelling. I worked with some crew members who were from Kerry and from Cork, and they were trying to drag me down there, which sounds beautiful. Good so, so Yeah, I think so. That will be next on the list. Have you been um, before, though? Have you not been to Dublin a bunch before? I, yeah, I'd been not a, lo- not a lot of time. Obviously spent... More time in the north, mm. um, especially in Belfast. I know Belfast like the back of my hand, but Dublin, no, it's it's a bit of a mystery to me. But from what I did discover, I found the people wonderful, very happy, lots of fun. I went out one Sunday afternoon and had a medicinal few pints of Guinness and stumbled into this incredible bar with a courtyard uh, full it was, absolutely full. And then at the other end were traditional musicians playing. I sat there and listened. And yeah, you sent chats. me a vid, didn't you? I think. Yeah. You were playing yeah. Uh, Rattling Bog mm. on the video you sent across to me, a classic. It was brilliant. It was really, really good. So, yeah, if it wasn't um, for work getting in the way, I would have been eating my way around Dublin much more. Is it a foodie city? Yeah, there's some great places to eat. Yeah, there's a round the corner from the apartment where I was staying... It's a very famous butcher's, but they also have a, a steak restaurant. Mm. And it, the name escapes me, but they've got, in the window you walk past, and they've got a refrigerated section. So you can see all the joints of meat. It's not great for vegans or vegetarians, is it? Um, or they're all the aged bits of beef, all hung up, and you just go in and go, I'll have, a, I'll have that steak, I'll have that. Really beautiful stuff. I have, uh, I have eaten there, actually, but that was 
long, long time ago. That was when I was in Dublin last time, but it was fantastic. But yeah, there's loads of great places to go. Yeah. I bet, man. You yeah. can't go to a major city and go wrong these days, can you? No, and it feels, even though it is, it, it's got an air, it feels European. Yeah, know? for real. I felt like it was. I was walking around Paris at some point. Mm. It was fantastic. I loved it very much. I've been once before on a stag do, so I didn't explore the kind of culture and uh, fine eating establishments. It was just wall-to-wall Guinness, basically. Good crack, though. And we played Zorb football. What, Zorb football? You've probably seen it on telly. You're getting like a massive inflated hamster wheel kind of thing. (laughs) A game of five-a-side foot in. What, so you were like a little gerbil in a ball? Your legs are sticking out the bottom, but the top of you is in a kind of big hamster wheel and you just run about and uh, leather into your mates as hard as you can and, and try and score goals. I'll show you a video, actually. I'll, yeah, I'll, do. Uh, I did a properly produced video, so I'll send it over. Yeah, that sounds the complete opposite of my Dublin trip, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was mad. We got stuck in the back of a transit van, like about 18 of us. No seatbelts or anything, just on top of these inflated zorbs. Like being kidnapped or something here. It was nuts. <laughs> but yeah, good do. Next question, Griff. Is from Katie Bainbridge. If you were to meet your 16-year-old self, what advice would you give them knowing what you know now? A classic question. A classic question, which I think actually we should both answer, Griff, as soon as you're here. Because you weren't here for the last Q&A and I was on my own and I felt very lonely. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. I left you hanging. Well, sorry. do you want to go first or should I go first? No, you should go first. I answered that last question. You go. Um, I think I'd tell my 16-year-old self to... Not be, not with, not withhold your artistic content and to put it out there, come what may. Like I think I was, when I was making music and stuff at that age, I didn't really put it out into the world for fear of it being not as good as I could make it. Um, and then another half of a lifetime down the road, you realise you should have just stuck it out there and let it exist in the world, and then you can start making more stuff. That's the thing that i love about podcasts how you just create them put them out onto the next one and you learn from everything you put out no one judges you on everything that you put out at the beginning it's all part of the same kind of learning curve so yeah it's interesting you say that about just putting things out there and not being judged by it because i got in last night and i couldn't really sleep and i had didn't really have anything to listen to so i scrolled back and i listened to the very first episode of Blind Boys podcast that I haven't listened to for years. Mm. Having listened to what he puts out now, it's very, very different. Like, his tone's different, the flow's different, the the intro's completely different. It was very much on the hoof for the first time, and it was all, for the first at least four episodes, it was all about reading stories from his book. But he, he he sounds completely different to what he does now. He's really found, I know it's, a, it's quite a trite thing to say, but he's really kind of found his voice. Yeah, absolutely. He's but, a mic technique master mm. these days. I think he monitors, I think he listens to his own voice while he's recording. So he really like uses a microphone like a instrument. And obviously his, his tech setup's got better and better. He's... Um, iconic sock that he used to record into his normal he's got a proper pop shield like you've got there yeah but yeah the craft of it these days is impeccable did you listen to that one last week about the watercress in the mountains yeah, yeah it was, in the water yeah it was so, bro- good, so brilliant so interesting that's pete blind boy for me that kind of stuff you know where he, he delves into irish history on a slant from yeah. a strange angle it's it's, it's the best it's, it's again it's one of those that is kind of there for me but i don't necessarily listen to things every week it's one of the, i just sort of dip in and out i think as with everything i don't tend to listen to that many podcasts really mm. i think they come in handy for me when i'm driving quite long distances like last year yeah. when i was doing things like manchester to brighton which is a real real slog yeah um you know having things set up of you know different types of um, podcasts, whether they be sort of entertainment podcasts or interview podcasts or history podcast, or um, did I say I'm trying? I'm going to start learning French on a completely different mm. tangent. Oh, nice. So I, I, yeah, I, I just didn't know what to do. Someone was talking about Duolingo, and then someone was slagging it off, and then someone was talking about Babbel. So I'm still, uh, I'm just going to do a bit more research because while I'm on the move, I think. 
something, some app that I can drop in and out when my time allows is going to be yeah. more conducive than online learning or going to a class that I just can't make. We need to get on our podcast sponsor Skillshare's website. That's that's a very good, very good uh, side plug there, Griff. Yeah. Free plug for you there, Skillshare. Come and yeah. be our sponsors again. Come back, come back. Yeah, back to you, man. What would you say to your 16-year-old self? Well, whether the 16-year-old self <laughs> would, would listen is another matter. Uh, I hope he would. But I suppose it's something that I've learned over the years and it's quite simple and it's um choose your battles i think early on certainly certainly when i was at school i would have quite a problem with authority mm. and i think that took quite a few years to, to get the chip off my shoulder um and certainly in my younger days of starting my acting career in my early 20s, which probably carried on to, to mid, possibly late 20s, um, if ever I was challenged or was made to feel that I was back at school, then I would uh, I would hit that quite hard and go in all guns blazing and not stop and think and choose if this was something that I wanted to go to war on. Because nine times out of ten, you kind of don't. And it's I just think not that worth it, is it? It's, well, it's just not worth it. I mean, you know, it's a bit like I'm quite a calm driver, and I always have been. I'm not, but go on. <laughs> no, but it's like, well, if someone's going to flip me off or cut me up or do some pull a dick move while I'm driving or something that's something that's really dangerous or just rude or annoying. I'm not going to bring... I'm the, It's in the car with me then. Mm. It's, I, I'm angry about it. And I've, I know I've got another 100 miles to go. So I just have to brush it off. And I think that's something that I've brought into my work life as well. It's like, I'll, I'd sooner now remove myself from the situation than get into an argument about it. Now, if it's something that I need to, that it's it's a creative decision. You can do that in a calm and professional manner instead of all guns blazing or taking something personally, like I pro- which I probably, I say probably, definitely did when I was in my 20s. And the only person that it affected, in hindsight, was me. And I was the one that was going to take it home and stew over it and ask why, why, why. Whereas if I'd approached it in a more professional and mature manner, I wouldn't have gone to war. I would have had a, a professional artistic discussion about things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would hope my 16-year-old would listen to that. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because obviously some battles are worth fighting. Um, it's just about allocating the kind of optimal amount of energy. And if you're in yeah. that folly of youth mindset, then you're probably going to go 100% when you only need to push back 20% in a certain different way. So yeah, I think that's sage advice. Yeah, and I'm not say, I'm not saying be all sort of flaky and light and you know never express your opinion because I think that's healthy. But also I think an artistic uh discussion is healthy because everybody has different tastes about things when it comes to work, but it's about you know you're constantly working with new people when you're acting. So you have to know when to back down or when to come together. And, you know, I know it's a cliche, but just learn to read, learn to read the room more, mm. you know, and know when to keep your mouth... That's another thing. That's another thing I would tell my 16 year self. Know when to keep your mouth shut, which I think <laughs> which I think comes in the same bracket of, of choosing your battles, you know? Basically, it's just grow up, isn't it? That's what you want to say to your 16-year-old self. <laughs> Fucking grow up. <laughs> Because um, you yeah. do only learn those things with age and experience, don't you? It's yeah. Just, if you can, imp- if you could impart that knowledge, then you know people oh. would get to where they want to be quicker. So yeah, tough yeah, one. it's tough one. But you know, as you say, yeah, I think without sounding patronising, I think we do learn with age, and you know, we carry on learning, and that's that's fine too. For real. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Katie Brainbridge is off, has also furnished us with a quick fire in homage to our patron quick fire things. Do you want me to hit you with those? Yeah, go on. Chinese or Indian? Presume she means cuisine rather than the peoples. I mean, or, but I mean, it's the same peoples or both. Can't choose. Both amazing. Um, uh, Chinese or Indian? Oh, that's hard. I, I think uh, Indian. Indian. I'm going Indian as well. North okay. or South? North. Of course. Bath or shower? Well, that's a tricky one. Now, I really? don't. Well, it is because I. I love a shower after the gym or to refresh me in the morning. But I do love a bath. I don't have a bath in my house. I only have a shower. So when I'm over, I'm in a hotel or I'm away somewhere and they've got a bath, the shower can, no, not mm. going to shower. It's straight in the bath. Long, luxurious bath. Um, very Disgusting hard. things, bath. Not uh, in swim at all. Not in swim. So you're obviously going to say shower. I very much like the concept of a bath, but the reality of them is they're... Um, uncomfortable do you know what they they can be uncomfortable for a six foot four and a half fellow <laughs> like myself um they make your ball sack go too pliable i think i find that off putting about them uh, too, no that's too much of a, a strong image in my mind <laughs> there griffs it's not like having a podcast um I, do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna say bath okay because it brings back Lovely memories of, of bath time on a Sunday night when I was a child. So, yeah, oh, bath. Nostalgia. Blue or green? What? Marbles? What? The concept, the colour, read into it what you will. I'm going to say uh, blue for blue sky because summer is coming and that's what I need. And also, I also need a holiday. So, blue. Lovely. I'm going to say green. Um, boxes or briefs? Briefs. Uh, boxers, a bit personal, boxers. but boxers, yeah. Okay. Um, I like variety. I have both. I wear different ones for different trousers. They set the tone for the day. Very much so. Uh, and that's the end of that quick fire. Excellent. Well questioning. done, Katie Bainbridge. Good, good, good questions. Thank you. This one is from Veronica Meacham. Uh, she has only one question that matters, and it is how are the kittens getting on? Your kittens, <laughs> Oh, well, uh, just backstory for those that don't know. Um, last year, when my son was staying with me for quite, uh, he was staying with me in Manchester for quite a lengthy period of time, and you know, he needed his animals around him. So I brought his kittens, his new. Very young kittens and his chinchilla from his mum's house to mine. Chinchilla is fine because it's in a cage. One of the kittens was very cuddly and very lovely, not that adventurous and would normally sort of stay very near you. The other one was always on the move, always on the hunt, very tiny sometimes, under the table, under the settee. I came down one morning to give them food. Usually they'll both come running. Only one. Only one. And what happened, I'd worked out, was uh, that one of them snuck out. We spent all day searching around the city. I put things out on social media and I was convinced that a little kitten who wasn't used to being in the city, was going to get eaten by one of these massive old city cats or bashed around. We looked everywhere. And then at 10 o'clock at night, he came dawdling down the street, back into the house, safe and sound. So answer your question, the kittens are fine. Um, and then the kittens know more. They're quite large. But yes, they're fine and safe uh, back in the countryside right now. Fabulous. All's well, it ends well. Yes. Next question is from Kath Booth. Lovely Kath. Hello, uh, Kath. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing, what would it be? Wow. 
I suppose we have to interpret that anyway. We see fit. I don't know because well, if you had an unlimited supply, it would cease to be special, wouldn't it? It's like touche eating that eating that one meal that you love so much and you crave for. If you're having it every day, you don't want it. This is quite a, a genie lamp problem. Um, well, if you had infinite money, then you could buy exactly what meal you wanted every single day. Like, you wouldn't have to worry about that. So that solves a lot of the problems, doesn't it? I mean, that does solve a lot of problems, but how does that make us sound? We live in a capitalist society, <laughs> mate. Like, well, especially cost of living. Yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just, it sol- just... solves a lot of problems in the world we live in. If we lived in a socialist utopia, free from uh, capital and money, then I'd probably go for a different answer. But soon as yeah. we don't, yeah, that would solve a l- not just problems personally, but uh, if it was unlimited, then nationally, globally. Indeed, yeah. People, a lot of people say answer time to that, don't they? How do you feel about that position? Oh, no. <laughs> no. It's just more time to waste, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, somebody, I was reading an interview with somebody who was quite old and they just went, I'm 96. Yeah, shoot. See, I'm too old now. I've run out. I've run out of things to say and do. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Let's check out. So, yeah, no, not time. Um, yeah, let's go with money, Griff. We can solve problems. Indeed, indeed. If you had to get, uh, yeah, let's go for this one. If you had to give someone a book you've read, which would it be? Oh, Griff, I'll let you go with that one first. I, I always feel like book lending is very fraught. I feel like people, I don't know, maybe it's just me. When I'm lending someone a book, I, I always feel like it's trying to say something more about me than than the book that I think they'd enjoy. <laughs> I've I've often lent out um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Have mm. you read that? No. Shunrai Suzuki, it's like, it's Zen Buddhism, um, but it's a very cool book to lend out. People think you're very cool if you lend them that. Um, Again, yeah, it says a lot about you there. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is also dead good, and I do think it'll help a lot of people. What for lent out recently? I've had... I, People steal books off me more than me lending them, so at least they're picking what they want from my bookshelves then rather than me forcing something on them. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. Well, it's funny you should say that about reading because, you know, we're talking about um, knowledge and age and talking to 16-year-old self Mm. before. A couple of weeks ago, uh, no, about three weeks ago when I was in Dublin and I was on location in this forest and I was looking at my sides and now sides, for those that don't know, forgive me if I'm being patronising, sides... I don't know, one. tell me. Right, so what you get given, your sides for the day. So you get a mini call sheet about the size of your hand, right? And it says on there, all the members of the crew, what the jobs are, what time they're in, what time lunch is, what time breakfast is, what time dinner is, who you're working with, what scenes you're doing, how long the scenes last... So like an eighth of a page, one page, two pages. So you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. And you flip over and then you've got those scenes on three or four pages after that. And I'm looking at these. And obviously I know my lines before I come to set, but I'm looking going, I can't read that. (laughs) It's just a blur. And I'm taking the sides and I'm pushing them away from my eyes and back and I'm trying to focus and I'm closing one eye. Terrifying. And I just because you've got good you've got good vision, haven't you? Well, like, we'll, no glasses. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go on to that in a minute. Um and I thought, well I know I had a bit of makeup on and maybe a bit of eye cream went in my eye and it's a bit stingy, so maybe it's just that. And it started happening again and again and again. Up until last Sunday we were out for dinner I could read the menu fine because it was quite big. And then we went for a drink at a bar near me and the menu was much smaller. And I said to my girlfriend, look, I'm a bit embarrassed, but I can't read that. And she went, I I have noticed over a few weeks, actually, you've been doing a lot of that, pulling it away from you. 
Um, so I went for an eye test the other day, and I've never been for an eye test before in my life. Mm. Uh, obviously, when I was younger, but it, everything's been fine. There's been no cause for any alarm. And uh, I need to get some reading glasses, Griff. Exciting, <laughs> So um, that, you know, and I do love reading, and I've been a bit, I suppose, a bit embarrassed and a bit scared of reading at the moment because I didn't know what was going on. But it's just that thing, you know, I turned 46 in March, uh, and I just need a little bit of help. So I'm getting some readers next week that hopefully will look a bit cold and make me not look like... Um, well, what are you getting, man? Have you got some earmarks? Have you been I don't know. Some... I've been to look at some frames, and I was talking to Tanya, who's my HOD in the makeup department, and she's been giving me some websites where she gets very... She's always very, looks very cool with her glasses nice. on. So I'm going to get um, a nice pair of statement readers, and then I can get back to it. Worth spending a bit on glasses, I reckon, in my experience as a glasses wearer. Like, cost per use... You want something that's going to last. You want something that feels comfortable. And you want something that makes you look cool as fuck. But but also, I want something that I feel confident wearing because I've never worn them before. It's like yeah. you're putting something on in it, and obviously, it changes changes everything about you. And even though I just, but you know, I need them for work because everything begins with reading. So if I can't get over that hurdle, I'm buggered. So. Can't wait to see them. It's a shock when you see a non-glasses wearing glasses <laughs> for the first time. It'll be a shock for me as well. Um, I'm thinking wire-rimmed, round, small, perched on the edge of your nose type vibes. Yeah, I've got a long horse-like face with a big nose, Griff. <laughs> That's not going to work, is it? I'm going to look like an absolute fucking idiot. Pince-nez, get a pince-nez. Well, we'll see. That's a statement reader. <laughs> uh, next question, Griff, go. Is sleep with your socks on or your socks off? What, what a question off. Always off, unless I will say, no, I was going to say, even if I'm camping, I might leave big woolly socks on because it's cold. Um, last year, my son and I went and stayed in a a yurt, um, and it was really nice with a, a like a log burner in there, which was gorgeous in the evening. After we had a barbecue, we'd go in, play a game, or watch a movie before bed. The wood burner would be there, toasty, gorgeous. He'd go to sleep. I'd maybe have a glass of wine outside, go to bed. Wood burner's still going. It's all toasty, isn't it? Lovely. But then when you wake up in the morning, it's a bit damp, it's crisp, it's cold, uh, and the wood burner's been out hours and you're freezing. So there I learnt, yeah, I would keep my socks on then. Um, but as a general rule, no, no, no. Come on now, socks off. Yeah. Exactly the same, situation dependent. General rule off. But if you're going to keep them on, make sure they're breathable. You don't want to be in bed in a a sweaty sock, do you? It's not, it's not nice for you and it's not nice for anybody unlucky enough to be in bed with you. Indeed. Sarah Barnett says, I'm super excited for all the Patreon merch. So I wondered, what's your favourite bit of merch? And were there any other pieces that didn't make the cut? Um, I mean, I'm very excited to try on the... Uh, the big, lovely grey hoodie. That looks dead comfortable. That's something I'd be able to pop on uh, before the gym. So that's something... The, the thing is, when we were looking at all this merch, we wanted stuff that actually we would wear. So we wanted it to be subtle and kind of cool, but sort of keep the, the logo brand there to show, you know, people's support. Um... But also something that was a bit stylish and mm. nice and not too garish. And also we had to think about, well, would this would everybody wear this? You can't just sort of design something that was male led. It's like it's got to be sort of universal for everybody. Um so that was kind of tricky, certainly with regards to colours. Uh but I think we're really happy with with what we got on and especially what we're talking about with Stan's design. So I don't think there's anything that didn't make the cut yeah i think i was i think i was a bit on the fence about long sleeve t-shirts but then again i'm a 46 year old man who needs reading glasses i'm not gonna i wear. fought the corner for those didn't i <laughs> yeah you Cite, did. cited billy eilish is a, a long sleeve t-shirt wearing style icon i'm massive into a long sleeve t-shirt myself I, i'm honestly most excited about that i'd say as long as it's oversized you've got a long sleeve t-shirt on there for training haven't you i've got like i've got or is it compression um, vest it's it's like a compression Vests. Okay. Top top uh top lycra wearing right here. Very um, nice. But I think, yeah, what we said before at the top of the this uh this little episode, uh 
tea towels is something that wasn't available to us, but something that I feel would be would be a strong seller because I think everybody uses and needs a tea towel. I'm always very happy when I, I pick up my tea towel, but and again, I'm a 46 year old man who wears reading glasses and <laughs> get, gets his kicks and do getting the tea towels out. But so I what think do a tea towel's lo- nice. What do you look for in a tea towel? Do you like one that's the, the cotton thin, or does it have to have individual uh, towelly? No, 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 no. Really good, hundred percent cotton. But what you've got to do is you've got to stick that in the wash before anything. It's a bit like your towels. You don't buy towels and stick them straight in the bathroom, do you? You stick them straight in the wash first, get them nice and soft. Otherwise, the tea towel it's not going to be absorbent. Indeed. And and that's what we look for in a tea towel. Next week on Tea Towels podcast. <laughs> tea Towel Techers. Um, okay, next question is from Carmen Belen Leal Garcia, and it's for you, Craig. Mm. Why are you so fascinated about comedy, and what comedy projects would you like to participate in? Oh, well, this would stem back um, to being a, a child. I suppose before I even realised that I wanted to be an actor, um, whenever sort of it was Christmas or there was parties or my mum and dad's friends would come round, I would just be the gobby child doing impressions. And and to make people laugh, especially I always love it when I make my mum laugh, but to make somebody laugh at Joanna Scandam was on the radio yesterday and she, I sight her, she's such an incredible actor, but someone who can bring you to tears and then just make you howl. And she was asked about how certain people think drama is is highbrow and, and comedy is low. And, 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 she, and she corrected the interview because it isn't. I think comedy is such a, a, an incredibly difficult skill to hone and craft. And I love, uh, you know, how I, I was first enthralled and captivated by Laurel and Hardy and Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. Certainly, you know, some... You, know, I was being made to laugh and feel things. And, and sometimes it was quite emotional without even words. And that's, a, that's a, such a heightened skill before the talkies came along. Um, so that's where I started to fall in love with comedy. And it's all I ever wanted to do was do comedy, just wanted to make, not stand-up comedy, but acting through sitcoms or or plays, comedy plays where I first started doing that at school. Um, so, yeah, that's where it started. And then, you know, then it all changed. So, but I think comedy is, uh, is an incredible, diff- it's an incredibly difficult skill. Um and also, it's, it's brilliant comedy because not everybody finds everything funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, fair, it's one thing to make somebody cry, but it's a completely different skill to make somebody laugh. You know, those kind of old silent comedies that I know you've talked about being a massive influence on you before. Mm. It's probably very rare, but is there any kind of scope for exploring a silent acted thing in this day and age i know people do like antiquated crafts like people might be into patchwork or embroidery and stuff like that before they made the sewing machines well is is there ever an opportunity to do a silent comedy or is it just something that's left in the past i think it's probably left in the past now i think it would be very hard i mean you'd look you say that though but you look um years ago and i think it won the oscar what is the name of the film? The... Lauren Hardy one. No, 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 no. It was The Artist. So the film The Artist won the Oscar. It's a French black and white film. So not only was it silent, it was black and white. And... Um, so it was a homage to films of the 1920s. Um, and it was the first silent film to win an Academy Award. Academy Award. Um, since 1929. Wow. And that was from, that was 2011. Yeah. So to say that people's attention, the, my, my thing was, no, I don't think people's levels of attention would be able to last, but that was an hour and 49 minutes of silent comedy that people cried, people laughed, and they just loved. So, I mean, it's a, it's a rare case, 
Um, but it's a bold decision. And, you know, with something like The Artist, it completely paid off. So for me to say I don't think people's levels of attention in, you know, in the the current climate would be there for it, maybe there is is an audience for it. So to address the second part of Carmen's question there, what comedy projects would you like to participate in? Would something like that interest you if you were to play a kind of silent physical comic in something? Oh, I mean, it would require... It would require me retraining, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to probably go to Lecoq in Paris and learn the ways of the clown, which is something. Which is something I would I'd love to do if you know. But you know, it's all about time, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Whenever people ask about certain jobs that you would want to be in or certain shows you want to do, ah. I don't know because I'm always so excited when new scripts land that I've never heard of before and you think, I've never read anything like this before, this is incredible. So I'm always after the new thing. But I don't know, something, I'll tell you something I'm enjoying at the moment which I don't think you can put into a pure comedy bracket because I think it's in a, a bracket of its own because it's very skillful. is Inside Number 9. I think the new series at the moment... And uh, past guest, gonna say Danny, he's in that. Danny right? Well, da- well, the, it's it's an anthology show, so each week's different. But I watched last night when we're recording this, um, and it was past guest Rishi Smith, obviously, and yeah. Steve, who are always in it and create it, and they have different guests in. And this week it was Daisy Haggard, uh, Danny Mays, and Jason Isaacs, and it was brilliant. Nice. It's and the, the way that they shoot it, I don't think they have a massive budget and they shoot it all in six days, in and out, six days an episode, done. Uh, and also recent Steve, just plug in their podcast. They've got a, a podcast with BBC Sounds and it's called Inside Inside Number <laughs> 9. And it's recent Steve sort of tearing things apart, telling you how it was made, how they came up with the script and the ideas. And it's a lovely peek behind the curtain um, of how they get around what they do because it's you know you got to turn your brain on it's it's good stuff yeah that sounds amazing yeah. sounds an incredible project to be a part of like the, the instantaneous the six day I love it I, like you know and they used to make South Parks in a week and I yeah. always find that dead exciting uh, that's how I like to work you know quickly get it out onto the next one and that's uh, yeah sounds exciting to be a part of. And also the inside, inside number nine. I don't understand why any kind of television series doesn't have an accompanying thing, like be it a behind-the-scenes documentary or uh, a podcast thing. It's it's easy to make. Everyone loves making them. Well, yeah, you know, why not? now I think, why don't you do um, a companion podcast? Because those ones that Reese and Steve do uh, are, they're not long, they're less than half an hour. And it's them talking, and they always have a guest come on, whether it's a set designer, a producer, a director. It's very rarely any of the actors, but it's always somebody from the crew side, which they don't get to talk about how they made it, what the pitfalls, what the problems were, how they overcame it. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, Sounds class. Sounds yeah, really good. good. I'll get on it. Okay. Oh, no, for me. Okay. This is Great. one from our good friend Helen Zach. What are the biggest challenges you must face and most rewarding aspects of your work as a producer? Good question. Um, Thanks, Helen Zach, for everything you do for us, by the way. Much appreciated. Very much. Biggest challenges for me, I would say, is going from working in a small team like we have on the Two Shot podcast where kind of we get creative control of everything and, um, as I was saying, it favours my methodology of doing things quickly and getting them out and moving on to the next thing. Uh, to working in a larger team where there's lots of people to please and there's lots of feedback to get and you don't know why you're being asked to make changes, stuff like that does my head in. So that's one of the biggest challenges. And yeah, the most reward. Sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll just say I tend to agree there because when I branched off the other year to do uh, another, host another podcast, to be involved with two producers and then six execs and everybody sort of uh, having a voice. It was very difficult for me because I have never worked like that before. Yeah. So you just have to, you know, again, I'll go back to a past question of uh, choosing your battles. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's mad, isn't it? Like, because you know, all those people that are doing exec producing and stuff like that. We're we're doing that on the Two Shot Podcast, but we just don't know we're doing it. We're doing all those other roles of like self checking. When you when there's a podcast and there's like fifteen people involved, you think, well, what are you lot doing? I'm doing all, <laughs> I'm doing all the producing. I'm doing all the producing. They're doing all the talking. What are you lot doing here? Do yeah, one. Yeah, I'll have your wedge as well. Yeah. Uh, so one of the most one of the most rewarding things I would say. I work on tons of projects outside of Two Shot Podcast. What's your favourite project, though, ever? That I've ever worked on? Yeah. Be careful. Outside of the Two Shot Podcast. No, no, not outside the Two Shot Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, goes without saying. Of course it does. Um, I worked on on one for Monday Island Magazine, which is a a really brilliant independent football publication. They do Mm. one called Giant, which is amazing different football stories every week, always incredibly produced and scripted and like the concept, it's very high concept. Sound design's always good. So working on them was dead exciting and challenging for me. I really enjoyed doing the Brassic podcast that accompanied their series. Yeah, that, that, was, kinda, that, that was brilliant. Cheers, man. Nice one. I was, the, I was the host on that for the first time, so that was a big challenge for me. So I found that very rewarding. But they're all good. You know, I'd say one of the most rewarding aspects of being a producer on a lot of podcasts at once is when you turn around and you think, Shit, we've done fifty episodes of that. Like I've I've worked on fifty hours of podcast content, and it's just there, and it's one of the many things that you've worked on. So I, I enjoy seeing like large collections of existing episodes that I've done. I find that very rewarding. Well, Griff, I think um, time is not our friend, and we're going to have to uh, put this episode to bed because um, I've got to get to work. Okay. Okay. We've got plenty more questions, but we'll come to them in a We will come episode. to them, which is why we sort of drop in and do these. But, guys, thank you all so much for bearing with. We are counting down the days till season 10. Once we've got an official date, of course, we'll let you know. Check your socials. Um, and keep the messages coming in. We'll try and keep in touch with you as best we can on socials while we're not delivering the episodes and uh, if you've got any questions about the merch, the Patreon, do email us, twoshotpod at gmail.com. And we'll see you for season 10 very soon. Exciting times, yes. Grifter. He's been Craig Parkinson. He's been, been Tom- producer Griff. <laughs> and Let me do lovely. it. Oh, go on, you do it. <laughs> right, okay, go on. He's been Craig Parkinson. I've been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Is that what you say at the end? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much.